Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. You should play that again because we don't have Amin yet. No? Okay, I guess we'll have to talk then. No, I think that's the thing about the Warriors is they don't defend consistently. Mm -hmm. They don't win on the road. And they're almost never a complete team. So you're sort of stuck with what you've got now, which is a team that wins at home, doesn't win on the road, defends intermittently. But again, we'll get more more detailed explanation from our from our first guest today. I mean Al Hassan, uh, Metal Arc Media and Cinephobe and twelve other things that probably are way better than what he's about to do with us. I mean, welcome. Hey Ray, how's it going? Same old gut-wrenching nightmares in you. <laughs> so, all, all is well in the world then, huh? Everything's normal. Yeah. Uh, speaking <laughs> of things that are normal, let's then not talk about the Western Conference because that's way not normal. And this weekend was even less normal than, than ever before. Uh, do you make anything of the fact that all of a sudden, now that it's... Now that it's past the All-Star break and the regular season has truly started, that you might see more weirdness like the games we saw over the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the weirdness comes out of, quite frankly, just a... what? How else can I put it? This is parody. This is the purest form of parody I think uh, we've had, uh, at least in the Western Conference, in quite a while. When you say teams 1 through 13... There's not that much separation. I know the standings say this separation. I know, you know, the the uh, the the records say that. But after the trade deadline and after kind of some of these uh, these pickups in uh, buy in the buyout market, it, it's very very compact. And there's not a whole lot of separation between these teams. So you could literally take a combination of eight teams from the 13 and say, this is the playoff picture, and, and it kind of makes sense. Obviously, bearing in mind that Denver and Memphis are that far up in the standings, they're going to definitely be there. But when you look throughout 
you know, you can't tell me confidently healthy. There's a huge difference between the Clippers at five and, you know, say, you know, even the Lakers all the way down at 12. I mean, if you were a member of Dub Nation out here in the Bay and you're looking, okay, if we can get rolling, nobody's beat us. You know, in the Western Conference, we got Clay, who's been balling. We got Steph. What team would you look at in the Western Conference? And I, if you want to go Phoenix, you can go Phoenix because we know what they just picked up in Kevin Durant. But any other team that you see right now that you think, you know what? I know the Warriors got some guys, but I think that these guys could beat the Warriors this year. Yeah, I, I think the big problem with the Warriors right now is they're running out of time. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, especially with, with Step Out. They're running out of time. They've been 500, kind of win one, lose one here and there. And that's well and good. But where they last in that play-in tournament, the more opportunity you are leaving the door open for something wrong to, go, to happen. And I'm not even saying something wrong in terms of another injury or whatever. I'm just saying just something wrong in terms of you lose one, you lose another one, all of a sudden you're out of it, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it can turn, the play-in turns on you very quickly. And, uh, you know, beyond Phoenix, man, Memphis, tough. I, I know they're, they're, they play dumb a lot. Uh, I know that, that, that poise and execution isn't there. But you know who else doesn't have poise and execution? The Golden State Warriors, mm. right? I mean, outside of Steph, Draymond, Clay, and uh, Kevon Looney, this is a team that plays just as wild and mercurial in terms of decision-making execution as the Memphis Grizzlies do. Because these guys, even the ones who played like Jordan Poole last year and were contributing members to a playoff, to a championship team, they're not there yet in terms of being able to be dependable and do the right thing. You know, playoff basketball more often than not, just are you doing the right thing? And there isn't a whole lot of margin for error there. And so uh, that's the thing that I worry about when I watch the Warriors. I look at this and I say, first of all, they have to overcome not having Steph in the lineup for the time being. Okay, whatever. But then... Once they get him back, they still have to have enough games to get into a rhythm where everyone's doing things as right as possible. And I don't know if there's enough time for this young of a roster to get get with that program. Um, so we know we know what Denver is. We have a pretty good idea of what Memphis is, and really everything you know from Phoenix on down is a pie fight. So what do you make of Sacramento then? And I presume they're not going to go for 176 again in the regular season. But they seem like the one team that nobody's willing to sort of tackle analytically or to figure out. Because, A, they're not supposed to be where they are, especially this late in the season. And, B, they're terrible defensively, and yet it doesn't seem to matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter because we're in the regular season. And as long as we are in this, you know, you get on a plane, you play somebody, and then you forget about it, you go to the next night. It, it really doesn't matter. Their offense can carry them. But, you know, honestly, when it comes to the playoffs, as I said, there's two things. One of them, obviously, is defense. you got to be able to stop people because there are going to be people who cannot, who can stop you from time to time, and you're going to be able to have to weather those storms. So that's one thing. But more importantly than that, I would say, is that 
Off, this team is young. Look at this roster outside of Harrison Barnes. And maybe, uh, I guess Matthew's over the but he doesn't play much. Uh, most of this rotation are guys who either never been in the playoffs or have very light playoff experience. Like Demontis Sabonis has light playoff experience. Let's be real. He, he hasn't played in conference finals. He's not a grizzled vet when it comes to that. And by and large, young team, their first time in the playoffs, that's, a, that's a, an, an awakening because it goes back to what I was talking about with the Warriors. You got to do things right again and again and again and again. And the teams that make mistakes, not the teams that were great offensively, the other teams, teams or terrible offensively, or terrible defensively. The teams that made mistakes, the, the sort of errors that happen because you haven't been here before and you don't know how to execute. Ultimately, those are the teams that fail. Memphis last year probably should have lost in the first round. The only thing that saved them was they played another team that was inexperienced and had no idea what they were doing. And so we had Memphis versus Minnesota bashing against each other's heads, one another, and, and just looking sloppy. And then the least sloppy among them made it through. But the reality is the playoffs are incredibly unforgiving to a young team because they just don't know what to do. The old adage is, oh, it's not my first time at the rodeo. For the Kings, it is going to be their first time at the rodeo, and this rodeo is especially rough. Let me put. Let me ask this a different way, because everything you said is obviously incredibly valid. But if you had to pick one team to watch just for fun, who would finish above Sacramento? Oh, I mean, in the league. Yeah, I mean, just just for you know, I I don't have I don't want to know about playoff implications. I just I right. just want to watch forty eight minutes of. The hell with it, basketball. Where would Sacramento Man. rank? Well, uh, top five. Entertainment product, absolutely. They're they're entertaining and they're fun to watch. Um, I, I, if you ask me who I have above them, it's certainly the Phoenix Suns when Kevin Durant comes back. I, I mean, that's just something I don't think uh, I, we've seen that kind of combination when you talk about. Uh, uh, excuse me, um, Devin Booker. And Kevin Durant with Chris Paul kind of orchestrating that. It's it's different from what Golden State was with Kevin Durant there. So that's very intriguing to me. Um, Memphis is fun, man. Memphis has fun games. Though if you're a Memphis fan, I'm sure you're probably bashing your head sometimes because of some of the mistakes they make. But they do it with a certain flourish. Right? It, it is fun to watch. You, you can't deny that. Uh, but yeah, Sacramento's right up there. I think Sacramento's right up there in terms of just Pure entertainment? Yeah. I mean, it's been a very interesting year for Clay Thompson. It starts out with Charles Barkley saying what he said in terms of, oh, he's not going to be who he used to be. And then everything that went down with the Suns before Kevin Durant with the Suns. Steph Curry goes out, and now all of a sudden, Klay Thompson, he's starting to return to who we know Klay Thompson to be, at least offensively. 32 last night. He went 42 this past weekend. Are you surprised with what you're seeing from Klay? Are you happy with what you're seeing from Klay? And how much has this added to Klay's legacy? Well, I mean, I think the big thing that... I, first of all, Clay is going to behave in that way because that's the way a professional athlete should behave and should think. He has to think that everybody's wrong and everybody's against him. Right? That's kind of built into being a successful pro athlete is you have to have this kind of, uh, I don't want to call it delusion, obviously he's a great player, but just kind of 
this dogmatic belief in yourself uh, and take any sort of said about you that's not fully supportive as an attack and as, as some version of uh, you know motivation for yourself but the reality is I mean what he's doing is pretty remarkable you know these people didn't say these things about Clay absent any any context right this guy went through two very devastating injuries back to back with a lot of time had a lot of rust on him, and he's not a spring chicken. You know, this is a guy who's, where it's like, okay, you know, he's been in the league since 2011, right? So he's 12 years into the league. He came out as a 21, he's 32 years old with two really bad injuries on him. And remember, people forget this. Clay, in the first, like, seven or eight years of his career, didn't miss a game. Yeah. This dude was Iron Man, right? So he's got kind of a little bit of a, of a, on him as well. But, you look at what he's done since the turn of uh, the calendar. 46% from the field and 44% from three. And it's hard not to say he's rounding into form. Um, and that's huge for the Warriors. That's huge for them for playoff implications. They need him to be healthy, but they also need him to be effective. And not effective because of his reputation. Because, hey, man, this guy still got it from night to night. They need him to be effective in a production standpoint, on a, on a nightly basis, in a way that they thought Jordan Poole would be. Okay. Jordan Poole has been up and down. So now you, you desperately need someone to be that second offensive weapon uh, alongside uh, Steph Curry. And he's been that. But I, you know, like, I see both sides. I see why Clay would feel hurt and use that as motivation. But I also understand people weren't just saying this. Uh, I think Clay's washed uh, out of the blue. They're, they said this about you for a reason. You missed 900 days or whatever it was. Uh, is there, in your memory, a team that was mediocre to poor defensively during a regular season then all of a sudden became incredibly stout in the playoffs? I mean, obvi- I'm, I'm obviously referencing the Warriors here who are giving up 118 a game, which is like the fourth worst total in the league. Is there is there a comp in your mind for a team that's poor defensively and then all of a sudden comes the middle of April and then they suddenly get it? Um, so the, the best example, obviously, is the Lakers' second championship with Shaq and Kobe. They were, I want to say, bottom third in the league defensively in the regular season, and then they damn near swept the entire playoffs. So that that's the that's the example everyone gives. Like if you want to talk about the turn, you know, flip the switch team, um, that's them. Again, what one should point out that Shaq started that year, I believe, with a toe injury, and they had all sorts of stuff. But it was a mostly veteran team that they they were carrying. So they at least had demonstrated the year before that they were an elite defensive team, and they turned the switch and did it again. I want to say the Cavs, one of those years when they just got finals and got demolished by the Warriors. But one of those years, they were bad for most of the regular season, and then they picked up steam towards the end, and then the playoffs, they became very stout, to use your word, Ray. Um, but, yeah, the, the the odds are incredibly against the Warriors. And, again, I think I'd feel a lot more comfortable if this was a team full of vets, and they just, you know, for whatever reason, had injuries here, injuries there. Uh, a better question, I think this is one I gotta sit down and research and look up is what are they, seven and twenty three on the road? Yeah, I was about to ask you that. 
But yeah, they, they're, the it's, a, it's like the fourth worst home road record in the in the league. I think you can get away with a bad defense and have a deep playoff run. Just so dominant offensively every night, and you're winning games here and there by outscoring teams. You're seven and twenty-three on the road. And that is one it speaks to your the usual roster guys that don't play well on the road, but also man, like I just don't know if you can overcome that. I think that's a very telling sign if you're that if you're legit an awful team on the road, and we know you're not going to be a, a one, two, or three seat. So you're going to have your fair share of road games in the playoffs. That one's going to be tough to overcome. I don't know. Yeah. We're talking with Amin Al Hassan, who does about 12 different things. And uh, of those 12 things, what's the thing that you would last give up if you were forced to? Last give up? Um, the one that pays the most. <laughs> <laughs> I won't ask what that is just because it's indelicate. But I was I was going to guess cinephobe, but... I love cinephobe. If you ask me, if the question was, what do I enjoy the most? Yeah, essentially. I asked it backwards, but yeah. You you asked it to, to me because then it's not necessarily my enjoyment. It's about, you know, survival, basically, <laughs> how I make a living. But what I enjoy the most, I do enjoy Cinephobe the most. I love it because uh, some of these movies I've never seen before, but I've just heard of. And it's funny to kind of experience that. And then some of these movies you saw a long time ago and you remember loving and then you watch it and you're like, wait, what is this? Uh, and then some of them are just as great as the first time you're watching that. And I, I just enjoy that that process. And then I'm fascinated by what people get surprised by, right? Where people say, wait, that movie qualifies as a bad movie? You know, so we did, uh, we've done, for instance, in the Sylvester Stallone catalog, we've done Rocky and we've done, uh, we've done Rocky, what was it? Rocky Four, and we did Cobra. People, it blew their minds that Cobra would qualify for this podcast because every movie we do is 40% or less on the Rotten Tomatoes score by either the critics or the audience. So people really are mind-blown when they find out that their favorite movie growing up actually is a terrible movie. <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends on what, what a terrible movie is. It's, it's, all, it's all subjective. I mean, one more for you here quickly. We saw Dame drop 71 last night. Donovan Mitchell did it earlier this year. We've seen some 60-point games. 21 times this year a player has scored at least 50 points in a game. How do you explain these explosive individual performances? Do they even move you the same way? What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, like 70 still obviously is, is pretty breathtaking. Dame last night, you know, I, me and my, all my buddies in our group chat, we were watching and tracking it. and And so that was... It is, look, 70 is still rarefied error. I know it's happened a couple of times this season, and that hasn't happened since the days of Wilt and, and Elgin and those guys. But um, in terms of the scoring overall, 50 doesn't move me. You're right. 50, like, oh, someone had 50. And, and I kind of have that attitude, and, and we shouldn't. But the reality is, I would say there's two reasons. One is, obviously, Ace has gone up. For us, we're playing faster than we've been playing since, I want to say, the 80s. But then you add, factor in the three-point line, and obviously there's more opportunities to get more shots that have extra points in them. So that's one thing. But the other thing, I think we've reached a, a, a turning point in the NBA where we need to adjust backward and help defense out a little. 
It is so hard to play defense now in the NBA. I hate when people complain that nobody plays defense. Not that they don't, they don't want to, although there are some individuals and some teams that don't, don't want to. Most of the time, it's like, how am I supposed to guard this? I can't touch him. I can't touch him. And if, and if he shoots and, I land, and I'm too close to where he lands and he falls down, that's a foul too, and it's a play foul and they get the ball. There are so many rules that favor the offense so drastically. It is so difficult to play defense. I, I looked this up earlier this year, and I, I have no reason to believe it's, it has, it's changed. Of the 25 greatest team offenses in NBA history, 20 of them have happened in the last three seasons. Let me say that again. Of the 25 most efficient offenses in the history of this game, talking points per possession, 20 of them have happened in the last three seasons. Wow. There's something terribly wrong if we are seeing records broken over and over and over again. And again, I know why we changed the rules in 2004 or whatever it was. is because we were watching wrestling. We were watching Greco-Roman wrestling and there was a basketball involved. And that was ugly and that wasn't good for TV. That wasn't a good product. But I think the pendulum has swung too far in the other direction now. Where offense has just too much leeway, too much ease. And we need to do some things to allow the defense to have a chance. One of them, I think, is allow a little bit more physicality, more hand-checking out on the perimeter. And then the other thing I would say is the three-point line, push it back. Either push it higher uh, above the break or get rid of the corner three altogether. But we have to be able to kind of change the dimensions of the court so that we're getting offense from different parts. And it's not just this tee-up factory from the corners every time someone tries to help on a, on a star player. One last one, and since you brought it up, this is what sparks it in my mind. How far back would you have to move the three-point line before Damian Lillard notices it? <laughs> half court. I mean, we saw that at the All-Star game, right? He just pulled up casually from half court with a jump shot and made it. Yeah, he so did that last gonna night, be, too. There's going to be guys who are going to do it, right? We're going to continue to do it. Well, I'm going to be moved by it. It's like uh, it's like when they, th- they moved the three-point line in, in like the mid-90s. You guys remember that? And yeah. also Charles Oakley shooting threes, right? And, and so, like, you get people who shoot, and then when they moved it back, it's like all those people who started shooting threes, they stopped. Mid-range jumpers, because it was just a little too far for them. I think the same thing happens. I think you move it back. Look, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, Trey Young, Luka Doncic, you know, like these guys are not, you know, buddy heels. They're like, whatever, it's the same. But what happens is those guys that aren't quite that find a different way to be effective offensively. And maybe that brings back more spot-up, you know, 18-footer, 20-footer jump shots because it's not like, oh, just take a step back and it'll get an extra point for it. Like, no, it's actually two or three steps back. And maybe that, that's beyond the range of the vast majority of NBA players. Amin El Hassan, who brings you Cinephobe, a job that pays him really well, and about 12 other things that he does. Thank you for your time, Amin. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Ray. Take care. I could listen to him for hours. Great stuff. He just he just knows. Mm-hmm. He just knows stuff. And even when he's wrong, he's wrong in a convince me kind of way. Exactly. You know, is it messed up, Ray, going back to Clay Absolutely. <laughs> Would it be wrong to say... Is it too callous to say, well, that's what we're pl- we're paying Clay Thompson to do? Yes. Um, because he's been paid for different things during his career. Mm-hmm. He used to be 
a nice adjutant to Curry offensively and a great defender. His game's changed, so he's getting paid for different things now. Right. And if you're averaging 40 for a month, you're not getting paid for that. No. You're getting paid to be a well-rounded, efficient, useful basketball player. 40 for a month, that's never in a contract. It's right. just, it's... That's when basically it's Christmas every night, so just enjoy it. You know, mm -hmm. there's a pony under the tree again today. Wow, that's beautiful. so. I, yeah, I think it. I think it is too cynical to. And this is coming from me. Yes, who, who gets a dollar every time somebody says something cynical? But right, right. I don't. I think you look at Thompson in a slightly different way than most people. Not because he missed like 900 days with these two catastrophic injuries, but because. I think we're seeing him in the early stages of reinventing his game mm -hmm. for this stage of his career. Right. Because I don't think he's going to be the guy who can give you 37 minutes of lockdown defense anymore. Yeah, and whenever we hear about reinventing, typically it's the Skywalker who now can't walk in the sky anymore. You have Vince Carter and how he went through and started making a bunch of three-pointers. You haven't really seen a situation like Klay Thompson where you have to see the reinventing of a jump shooter because normally as you get older, you can just jump shoot more. But Klay Thompson, because of what he used to give this team and what he's able to give this team now, he's having to do more things offensively. He's saying, I'm going to try to get to the foul line, even though that's not really my game, specifically with Steph Curry out. So it is a different transition than what we're typically used to seeing. Yeah, and he's going to have to reinvent himself a little more when Curry comes back too because mm. he won't be as high a usage guy. And he hasn't really gone to the free throw line in the last month either. I mean, no. his high for the year is six attempts, yeah. which is sort of nothing. But. Well, I'm just sitting here watching a broadcast and it's three-pointer, three-pointer, three-pointer. Who's the guy who says, hey, I'm going to try to get to the cup. Normally, that person was not Clay Thompson, but Clay's looking around. Jordan Poole, I don't know what the heck you're going to do. I'm looking around at Anthony Lamb, Ty Jerome. Okay, I'm going to have to be the one to get to the cup and just, hey, guys, this is what we're doing. Let's do something a little bit differently. Even, And I think it's even worn off, Ray, on a Dante DiVincenzo. Earlier this season, a couple weeks ago, Dante DiVincenzo, he was... Passing it out, I forget what game that was, and it was terrible. They just refused. They ended up losing. Refused to shoot a two-pointer. He 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 shot the three. Wiggins shot the three. Could not hit it. And I think that Clay is recognizing, and when we talk about transitioning, not just as a basketball player on the court, but also also just in general. Clay is realizing with Steph out, and obviously he's around, but I need to be that guy. I need to step up for now while Clay, while Steph and Draymond Green, who is now, looks like Draymond will probably play tomorrow. We'll wait and see, but it has been nice to see Clay's transition from what he has been of just, I'm just the cool uncle, right? To, hey, I got to take some of these responsibilities that he hasn't had in the past. Yeah, he went from cool uncle to dad. Exactly. Uh, when we come back, we're going to annoy the living eyes out of Howard Beck, mm -hmm. longtime NBA ex expert and analyst. And before that, no, I didn't hear your news, Lucas. What did you say? Perfect. I have some breaking news for you. Are you ready? Speak. 
This comes from Shams Charania. Sources are telling him that there's fear Lakers star LeBron James is likely to miss an extended period of time with a right foot injury. He suffered that injury in Sunday's win over Dallas. Everyone saw him. I think he was mouthing, I heard a pop, I heard a pop. Yeah. There's clearly something there. He uh, He's already been ruled out for tomorrow, and the belief is he will be sidelined for an indefinite amount of time. The Lakers are bracing for his absence to be multiple weeks. If that's the case, they're done. Done. That might be the first team that falls off the, the group of, of 10. Yeah, well, they needed to get hot. Yeah. They didn't so. just need to survive. They needed to get hot, and this yeah. is the opposite of that. Um, when we come back, like I said, Howard Beck, and until then... You will listen to some documentaries about capitalism. Starting with this, we are sponsored by Five Hour Energy. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. We're back. That'll teach you to go away. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to Damon and Ratto on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. This is not one of your favorite podcasts, let me assure you of that. Not yet. Or probably. And maybe today. There you but go. But tomorrow it goes right back to hell. <laughs> uh, we're joined now by a longtime NBA analyst, observer, and all-around transom peaker and general busybody, Howard Beck, who's going to explain to us in ways that Amin Hassan could not why the Western Conference of the NBA is basically run by drunks. Howard, welcome. <laughs> What's happening, Ray? How are you? Uh, the same old gut-wrenching nightmares as ever. Um, explain, if you can, how it is that after 60 games, 
the NBA's Western Conference looks as much of a mess as it still does? I mean, I think this is a glass half full, glass half empty thing, right? Like, is it a mess or is it just really compelling and competitive? Um, you know, the age of super teams is either gone or at least on hold. And so that's part of this, right? There is no superpower because there are no super teams. And, and super teams to me are, you've got not two stars. Because like Shaq and Kobe was two stars. That was not a super team. A super team is three. A super team is like the Pierce, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett thing. The then LeBron, Bosh, Wade thing that was in response to the Celtics thing. We don't have that right now. There are no super. There are some really, really good teams and some talented teams. And the Suns are trying to construct one. We'll see what happens when Kevin Durant actually steps into the lineup and what they've got. But Chris Paul is so late in his career that I don't consider them that either. So we've got a bunch of teams that have one or two stars. And they've all got some flaws. And no one can truly reign supreme. All due respect to the Nuggets who have the record and the trajectory of a team that should be by far the best in the West. They've got a nice lead. But I don't think anybody believes in the Nuggets at that level. They're obviously really, really good, and they could go to the finals. But they don't feel like some overpowering, dominant superpower that we were used to in this uh, in this league. Um, so it's just really competitive. There's a weird equilibrium that's kind of settled in, and it's probably due to like 50 different things, not least of which is that everybody's trying harder than they used to because of the play-in in part because of the, the changed lottery odds. There's less incentive to tank, and if the, if the bottom teams or the middling teams aren't leaning into losing, then they're not giving up as much talent to the better teams who then fatten up on the lower teams that they can take advantage of. So uh, all of these things have probably kind of conspired, and maybe even some of the CBA tweaks over the last 10 years that were designed to try to create a little bit more equilibrium, whether that's the luxury tax or, or whatever else. But I don't think there's any one thing... And this may be temporary. This may be temporary until we get through this season and some of these teams that feel like, well, if it's this wide open, I'm one move away from pulling away from the pack, and maybe we see moves this summer to try to accomplish that. I guess, though, what I'm talking about when I say this mess is the fact that from Phoenix in the 4 to Oklahoma City in the 13, every team is separated from the team below it by half a game. That, to me, is a mess. Not a bad mess. I'm I'm all for this, but I've never seen any any conference in any sport as genuinely congealed as this with no team looking as though it can break out of this pack. It is wild. And and I've never seen it either. Um you know, look, there's some interesting hypotheticals here or or alternate realities, right? Um in an alternate reality uh, that where Durant went to the Suns last summer, maybe the Suns would be far and away the best team in the West right now. In an alternate reality where Steph Curry never gets hurt, maybe the Warriors are still looking like defending champs and they're, they're lording over the West. In an alternate reality where Paul George and Kawhi Leonard were healthy all season. So injuries have a lot to do with some of this equilibrium. Um, and then you've just got teams that... You know, the Timberwolves went all in on Rudy Gobert. It didn't pay the dividends that they hoped for. And so they're just this middling team um, that is stuck a half game below the team that they acquired Rudy Gobert from, the Jazz, who were supposed to be tanking and yet uh, have overachieved all season. 
Uh, so you, everybody's just in this weird spot, right? The Trailblazers, in, in a different time or a different franchise, might have pulled the plug a long time ago, but they keep trying to rebuild on the fly around Dame, including moves they made at the trade deadline. So they just keep hovering in the middle of the pack. Uh, it was Kevin Pritchard, who's now with the Indiana Pacers and was at the time running the Trailblazers 10 years ago or so, who I believe coined the phrase treadmill of mediocrity while at the Sloan uh, Sports Conference. And the, it just feels like Half of the West is on the treadmill of mediocrity. Again, the why, at least part of this is that the play-in tournament has incentivized the bad teams to be just good enough to be in the 7-10 to 10 range, and the teams that are in 11-12 and 12 to keep trying to get to 10. So I, I do think that's a lot of this. Howard, I don't know if you just heard the, the news that came down. LeBron James' foot injury, I guess, is pretty... Pretty bad. He's out already tomorrow. He's going to be out for a, a long period of time, it looks like. How does that affect the West? I know people were just starting to get hot on the new-look Lakers, but with LeBron out, I mean, Lakers are pretty much done, right? It depends on how long. We don't know how long still. Um, you know, if it's a week or two, that's one thing. If it's a month, you know, that probably sinks them. Uh, they did a nice job at the trade deadline. Uh, as somebody who's been incredibly critical of the front office there, I will say they did a really nice job at the trade deadline of finally constructing a team that made sense around LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And had they done those things last summer or October, November, December, maybe the Lakers wouldn't be in the predicament they're in now in the first place. They looked, I mean, look, as, as we speak, you know, the LeBron injury aside, at the moment, they are, you know, a game out of the play-in and like two and a half out of sixth and three and a half out of fourth place. I mean, it's it's incredible. Back to Ray's point about how how packed, how tightly packed the West is. The Lakers, healthy, get on a, a nice winning streak, and they've been you know what are they four and one or five and one since the trades. Um, at every possible, uh, you know, uh, you know, the the, the the every possibility of moving up in the standings and being in the playoffs and not even having to mess with the play-in. LeBron's injury does change that, of course. We don't know how long he's out, um, but I, I am one who still believes that a healthy LeBron and a healthy Anthony Davis, surrounded by a competent supporting cast, which they do have now and which they did not have before, is a threat. It's a viable threat. Um, you know, April's still a ways off. We'll see how long he's out, and we'll see what that does to them. But the way things are in the in the West right now, um, I'm still not ruling out anything for the Lakers as long as LeBron can get healthy quickly. We've been talking about you know most of the Western Conference, so that the teams that are, you know, still have something to play for. But one of the two that is only playing to lose is San Antonio, who's now lost 16 straight, and over their 47 losses this year, their average margin of defeat is like 16 points. Is this the most efficient tanking you can ever remember seeing? Just in terms of night after night, we're losing by 15, and there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, I don't remember what the margin of losses were for the tanking Sixers um, when they were tanking for Embiid and tanking for Simmons and just tanking, period, for however many years that was. Um, that was a pretty impressive tank job there. You know, the Spurs started off, you know, this particular uh, tanking effort by trading DeJounte Murray to the Hawks. And, you know, they've got some decent young pieces, you know, Kelvin Johnson and some other guys. But, they, you know, they're... they're they're doing what they have to do. You know, as proud of a franchise as that is, and the fact that Pop is still there and all that other stuff, they're a small market team at the end of the day that 
by their by by their own uh, accounting, will tell you we were very fortunate to get Tim Duncan, and he made us all look really smart for a long time. They say that themselves. Um, there's some truth to that. There's some false modesty in that. They also drafted really well with guys like you know Tony Parker and Ginobili and Kawhi, or there was a trade for Kawhi, but a draft day trade. So they did a lot of smart things for a very long time, and eventually you lose your stars and your your fortune runs out and. Um, you're a little bit of, of, of beholden to lottery ball bounces and all this other stuff. And, you know, there's still a really smart operation, but there's only so much you can do when you're not a destination. No one's forcing a trade to San Antonio, and no superstars are going there in free agency. So there aren't that many other paths to respectability again, aside from just trying to draft high. So they're, they're playing the odds. I, I, I can't fault them for it. Howard, you talk about the treadmill of mediocrity and which teams are going to be able to elevate past that. Do you think the Warriors could do that? And also, do you think that they might need some help in the buyout market in order to do that? We see this. this you know how it is, Howard. So now Nerland's Noel reaches a buyout and now Dub Nation on our Xfinity mobile call line, text line. Everybody wants to know, well, what about Nerland's Noel? Do you think the Warriors can get past this treadmill of mediocrity? And do you think they can do it alone? Or is there a buyout piece that could add to this team and get them over the hump? I don't know that anything is going to fix the Warriors from outside. Um, I, I think their best case scenario right now is Steph comes back soon, Gary Payton Jr. gets back sooner than later and can play at the level that he did in the playoffs last year, and then you've got you know a, a seven-man core that is familiar and has a history and 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 knows what it can do. Um, when the games matter most and maybe some things lock in or, or, or click back into place the closer to the playoffs they get. But, you know, even healthy this year, they've been kind of up and down. It's been great to see, you know, Clay having these moments, especially when Steph has been out. That's really encouraging. It's hard to buy into a team that's a game over 500 as a contender, except this one. Like they're the only team I, w- I could ever think of. You know, and, uh, I feel like, you know, I'm still doing this with the Lakers a little bit too, right? Like, oh, if LeBron's healthy, if Anthony Davis is healthy, I still have a hard time completely ruling them out because they're they're that good. The Warriors are this. I just refuse to like believe that this team is just done. Um, and it, it doesn't. It, it's, it's not logical this late in the season to look at that record and look at that team and still think there's a potential finals run there. But I still believe in it. Um, we know what the advanced stats are and even the traditional stats are for their starting five. We know how good their, their top six is. Um, it's, they have to get healthy. They do have a lot of miles on them. I, 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 you know, I, I'm predicting nothing, but I still believe there's a possibility of, of a run there uh, if healthy. And I, I don't know that anybody off the buyout heap is, is really going to change their trajectory. Uh, we asked Amin this earlier, and I'll ask you too. How many times have you seen a team that has been so profoundly poor at playing consistent defense as the Warriors and ended up making a deep run in the playoffs? I know he mentioned uh, the one Laker team, um, but for the most part, he says it's almost unfathomable to you know, be 28th in the league in points allowed and then all of a sudden get religion once the playoffs starts. 
So there's a couple editions of the Lakers, I think, that did that. Um, I'm thinking even back to, to when Shaq and Kobe were playing, and you know there was always this flip-the-switch thing. That was mostly about Shaq more than anybody else. He was the one who needed to flip the switch because he'd play his way in, in shape over the course of the season. Um, but there was a muscle memory there for that team, right? You, they knew how to do it when the time came. I think there were some late-edition Cavs teams with LeBron's second run there that they did the same thing, where they were just kind of like messing around during the season and not inspired because they knew they had, you know, a deep run coming in, in the playoffs. And so it happens. And I think if a team has the experience of doing it before, you have a little bit more faith in their ability to flip that switch. The Warriors have done it. And so I, I, I still think they can replicate it when the time comes. Um, it doesn't happen often, and most teams can't do it. But I think a team that's already been there before and, and again, has that kind of collective muscle memory, you have a little more faith that, that they might be able to pull it off. All that said, again, every bit of historical data, every stat in the world points to, oh, you're 61 games into the season and you're a game over 500? Yeah, I'm sorry, you're not a contender. Like That's the logical response based on everything we know. And, and as I say, the Warriors, to me, kind of defy logic and, and all other data. Howard, I'm going to give you multiple choice here. So you, you, you got to tell us what you think is most likely to happen for the start of next season. You got A, which means Draymond Green is on this team, but Bob Myers is out. B, just switch it. Bob Myers is on the team. I guess four options. Bob Myers is on the team, and so is Draymond Green. And you got C, both of them are gone, or D, one of them are gone. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, I didn't realize I was going to have to prepare for multiple choice questions <laughs> on this this radio show. Um, you don't have to prepare at all for this radio show because we certainly don't. <laughs> <laughs> They're letting you run it tonight, Ray, which, I mean, on its own, like, talk about risky. Um, so, um, you have no I idea. <laughs> I don't, I, I still don't believe that Bob Myers is actually going to end up somewhere else. Um, there hasn't been a lot of information to glean on this whole front, but uh, I just can't imagine that ownership group wants to let him walk. Now, if, if Bob, for some reason, has just decided he, he's ready to do something else entirely, that's a different uh, matter. But if it's just a, a question of them coming to terms and deciding how much he's worth, uh, he's worth a ton, and they'll figure it out. So I don't think Bob Myers is gone on the merits. Draymond, you know... It's it's an option, right? So, a lot of this is is in his, uh, you know, in his control. Um, does he want to change the scenery at this stage? Do the Warriors want to, you know, you know, if, if he if he stays on, if he opts in, and do they, would they want to trade him for the sake of just shaking things up? But I, I just here's what I come back to, guys, on all of this. If the Warriors still believe that there is life left in this dynasty. And if they believe that at the highest levels, and certainly Joe Lacob is one who has been very, you know, stubborn in his belief in this team. And, you know, look, they all had to concede finally on the James Weissman point. They, they finally conceded that, you know what, the, the future is unknown. We should focus on the present. Let's just do what we can to win now. To me, that was a healthy sign, making that deal as 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 fraught as that deal was on multiple uh, levels, it was the right move. If you're still investing in the present right now, I got to think that that's still the approach in the summer, which means 
try to get another year out of and hopefully a healthy year out of your core. And finally, just dovetailing off uh, Alan's question about Myers, um, what's the advantage for Joe Lacob in letting this play out the way it did? What's the logic behind that? And if there isn't any logic, wouldn't that sort of indicate that maybe this franchise is about to have a philosophical sea change? Always possible. Sometimes these things happen when you least expect it, right? Um, nobody saw it coming when, when Jerry West left the Lakers, you know, just as they were starting their, their three-peat run. Um, occasionally, there's just, there's just some philosophical splits or financial expectation splits, uh, maybe combinations thereof. If, if he walks, look, there's still other possibilities, right? It, it could still be, look, that maybe Bob Myers just wants a new challenge, or maybe he just wants to do something different, or maybe he's just burned out. Uh, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to any of that, and I'm, I'm just throwing out possibilities. If Bob Myers wants to stay, and they don't want to resign him, either because uh, they've decided they want to move on to somebody else, which sounds ludicrous, or because they don't want to pay the asking price, also ludicrous given how much they spend on everything else, that would be shocking to me. That would be really shocking. But, again, sometimes organizations get a little high on themselves and think that, well, you know, we can succeed without this guy, despite him being the architect of, of this entire era. You know, we're, you know, the organization's bigger than any one person. That happens sometimes. There gets to be some institutional arrogance. I don't know if that's the case here. But if you're asking for what would the logical reason for, to be to, to let him walk, if he still wants to be there, I, I cannot come up with one. Well... You don't have to leave. Well, actually, you do have to leave. Myers doesn't, but we have we are we're we're happening upon a break, so we will free you from this hellscape that was <laughs> the Damon and Rado show. We'll talk to you soon, though. Thanks for thanks for everything, and keep your head up. Appreciate it, fellas. Thank you. Right. Take care, Howard Beck, who's a definite go-to guy. I like him a lot, mm -hmm. and I think let's have him on at five fifteen. Yeah, there you go. There you go. See. Grandy's already affecting a call. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Myers thing, it, it amuses me because there's no compelling advantage mm -hmm. to letting this thing have gotten to this point. But I also don't think that Myers is either seeking a number or a level of power that Joe Lacob can't accommodate or that he's looking for another team. This just seems like, and I, you know, I could be wrong, but it, it feels a lot more like Lacob wants to see how much he can squeeze his shoes just to save a million here or a million there. And, I loved, and this is not a place to economize. No, and I loved what Howard said. I believe the term he used was institutional arrogance. And Howard said, I can't speak to that, but there might be some of it. From some of the stuff we've seen come out about amusement parks and different things that Joe Lacob movies that Joe Lacob is interested in and he has his son in the fold already I do think that there is a part of this with Joe Lacob that believes we can do this without Bob Myers I, I think without a doubt it could be in which case they'll they'll find out soon enough yeah. that you know Myers it's not that he's like a supreme negotiator or that he has a, a different way of turning a quarter into three bucks than anybody else. Mm -hmm. It's the way that he can deal with thorny situations and navigate them. Right. Uh, the Durant thing, where he managed to get 
Durant to agree to a sign and trade when Durant didn't have to, mm-hmm. just because he liked Myers. And the the benefit of that turned into Andrew Wiggins, right? Without whom they probably don't win last year. Mm-hmm. There are things that Myers does that aren't in the job description that quite frankly I don't think anybody else in that office can replicate. I don't think Kerr can, I don't think Lakeup can, I don't think any of his kids can. I I think it's it's merely a matter of Myers is one of those rare general manager figures who I don't want to say leads with his heart, but doesn't always lead with his wallet. And because of that, that makes him special. Yeah. And that makes him resignable. Specifically with this team and everything that they've been through. You know, he they know there's that trust piece of this. And if this thing is going to end, I think that what I'm keeping an eye on is if you do bring back Myers, depending on that contract, that might be moving into the post-Steph era. Does Myers want to be a part of that? I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess we'll either find out or we won't, mm-hmm. depending on whether we do. Yeah. Um, we are foisted upon you by Fremont Bank. Full-service banking. No compromises, and we'll be back in a minute. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.